This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello everybody on Facebook and uh, thank you all subscribers for coming. Uh, I'll try to keep this as chilled out and casual as our Hafta normally is. So um uh, this is the 200th episode of Hafta. We have done 199 episodes so far. Uh, I'll just tell you what Hafta started off as. It was an exercise in transparency uh, because, as in the you know mission statement, that which is a very grand sounding thing, and I'm sure uh, Manu will have a very interesting take on what the hell is a vision statement. The fact that you have a vision is a surprise in itself. But Manu, who's I'll introduce the guests at length uh, later. But the whole idea of Hafta was it's an exercise in transparency because. at least i believed when you know we set up news laundry and and madhu and all of us had sat and discussed this that objectivity is not possible we can make transparency happen because we are the sum total of our experiences our socialization our world views shaped by all that so you know we will have prejudices we will have biases we will have you know a compromised view and different from another and hafta was a good way of making that transparent so it is a good way of making it transparent so people see where we are coming from and they can adjust individual perceptions and reports through that prism but it so happened and as we get a lot of mails every week uh, people have started listening to the hafta to get the news of the week which is not a good idea so we're <laughs> trying to fix that and trying to make it more current because you know there are some developing stories people say you don't have the latest on that that wasn't what the hafta was for we have other podcasts for that and we'll be starting more podcasts for that but that's why hafta happened it's a chat it's an informal chat and at that time the staff of newsroom was just four or five people so we sat together and chit chatted and that was that we'll have after our question answer people on facebook you can also post your questions and snigdha my wonderful colleague will tell us your questions those that are worthy of being repeated will be repeated and asked so you guys can tell us what you're doing right wrong not just questions a lot of discussions Someone doesn't have a question; they just have a comment, and then everyone's saying, "Why are you giving a comment?" Well, we say we even want your comments, so just keep them short. On that note, Angrez apna lagana, news laundry apna hafta, kabi nae chhodte. When the public pays, the public is served, and when advertisers pay, advertisers served. On our 200th episode of Hafta, we have Manu Joseph. Many of you, in fact, all of you probably already know Manu. Uh, Manu is a writer and a journalist. Uh, he has won the. Manu, let me allow you to introduce yourself because I'll do the Wikipedia thing, and and uh, so Manu has his latest book, Leila. I personally really like Manu's writing. Uh, I think it's amongst the finest. I think he has a very provocative and interesting mind. Sometimes, if there is a debate happening, he will give an angle to it which you may not have thought of, or if you have thought of, you will not utter it. You wait for someone else to say it. So he does that for us. The two words. I think, yeah, and then you can just retweet it. Then you can retweet. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm just. Artisan endorsements. Uh, so, uh, so that's Manu Joseph for you. He till recently was a columnist uh, for the Mint uh, lounge. lounge as lounge. well, but now Manu, what are you doing? I'm uh, finishing my uh, first non-fiction. That's as it's called. I think. Uh, I think it's strange that this whole genre of literature, which doesn't have the good sense to give itself a name, 
it's identified as something it's not by something it's not so but anyway since everybody knows what non-fiction is it's actually journalism uh, between covers for which people would be willing to pay you know so I think that's how I look at uh, non-fiction as it's called um, and uh, I'm um, uh, working with some people who are interested in making TV series and films out of uh, my books so it's a, that's in an interesting phase um, uh, so that's it. Otherwise, mostly I just read all useless stuff. And recently I learned that bread and popcorn are foam. I, I like such information. Uh, we will discuss that, you know, books, you know, into miniseries and films and, and how that translates. Uh, other panelists here, Anand Vardhan, our in-house genius. Many of you have heard him and read him. He has some wonderful and interesting insights. Uh, even he gives some perspectives that often are not the popular ones and I'm not talking about left, right, conservative, but just an angle that hasn't really been explored or, or you know, spoken of as is um, and he speaks about everything and if you do, this is becoming very formal, Hafta. Yeah. Usually I'm cut short <laughs> when I'm talking so much. The ladies are being very kind because <laughs> Hi, it's a bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically Hafta is usually like this. So we yeah, try to... table and no one's watching us so we're no really one's watching like us. So, yeah, it's slouching or being yeah. Yeah, or, or Mazul will be eating a sandwich or, or a toast and, and people will say, I can hear a munching sound, how rude are you people? <laughs> so we'll try to give it Beta Kalluf. Uh, yeah. So that's Anand for you from cinema to also he teaches civil services. We have a number of you who are civil services aspirants here. So he, he teaches aspirants of, of civil services. He has services. maximum fans also. Everyone loves Anand. All the letters are yeah. always praising him. Praising him. <laughs> And uh, Manisha Pandey, our award-winning journalist. Today, I Anand will have to say face. that. <laughs> Anand is trying not Anand to react. <laughs> when she says that he has a lot of fans, he's doing... <laughs> so, uh, Manisha has been uh, one of the ones... Since we started Hafta, I think other than Madhu yeah. and me, yeah. she's the one who's been there from the beginning. Although, Anand's one of the founding team of News Laundry. Then in the middle, he went and uh, I don't know whether he was taking a civil service exam or... But then then he's he's back it's and... Already failed by then. <laughs> but I'm, we are glad he's back. Uh, so yeah, that's Manisha, who's done many a story for us. And now she has a fantastic show called Nuisance, which I hope you watch. Madhu Trehan, uh, legendary journalist, uh, founder India Today, News Track, TV Today, and News Laundry. I am, she gave me my first job when I was 19 and made sure that I was a hard nut to crack, which is good because she prepared me for Twitter. Fuck <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> so, thank you, Madhu. So, uh, if, if you could handle Madhu at 19, Twitter's a fucking piece of cake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was bad. So, I'll just quickly tell rough. you what all we'll discuss. Usually on Hafta, we discuss like seven, eight things. We'll keep it a little less this time because we want you to interact with, you know, our guest and I know many of you have come to see uh, Manu. So, I will not take that time away from you. So, um, there was a huge march today, a farmer's march, as you know, which reached um, India Gate, uh, sorry, Ramlila Maidan. And we had some reporters here who were there who tell us it wasn't as big as was yeah. promised. Yeah, it was supposed to be about 2 lakh, but it's about 15, 16,000 people. Or maybe 20,000. But my, my point was that's still three times Anna's, Anna's gathering, which I was a part of. Is that bigger than IAC? Uh, no, IAC, just on one day, it was like 70,000 after, you know, the Sibbal had given the undertaking and all. But on a regular day, it was three to 4,000. And who so, has funded it? This? The, the march. Because they had all these tents and entertainment and yeah. water. Who's funded it? 
there's some 200 organizations yeah. that have got together to make this happen yeah uh, so i'm i'm sure like uh, it's it's pretty well kisan organizations or kisan and other organizations matlab is the congress left, party left etc i don't know if congress or not but it's left affiliated uh, but yeah there are a lot of these uh, farmer organizations and many of them are left affiliated uh, so uh, maybe we can give that a few minutes then uh, you know there was this whole gotra debate that happened uh, what is uh, what's rahul, his name rahul, rahul gandhi's gotra which made prime time news and then uh, smriti irani tweeted my gotra is kaushal sir as is my father's as is his father's and his father's and his father's <laughs> my husband and children are zoroastrian so can't have a gotra the sindur i wear is my belief as a practicing hindu now get back to your life dhanyawad so that's smriti irani at her understated best on twitter she was made for twitter she actually said now get back to your life it's <laughs> just say it sound is spontaneous but, but isn't British. your entire family line supposed to have your gotra i mean that's the whole point actually yeah. Uh, we'll have a little i i don't know much about gotra so <laughs> manu are you you're christian what are you that's what they say i mean on that's what they say on twitter don't so, label you know. him joseph <laughs> no but i uh, do you have gotra no we don't have gotra okay so actually i discovered my gotra at um my daughter's wedding ceremony because the pandit asked aapka gotra kaun hai then everybody went Kone? shuffling around ke kaun hai ke kya hai aapka gotra kya hai so everyone went shuffling around and then my husband's father said kaushal hai You and Smriti have the same gotra. <laughs> your gotra is just your. So, so. <laughs> so you're related at some level. You you can never marry Smriti Irani. <laughs> What a relief. So, uh, so rather than go through the whole list of things, I'll just quickly give one one line, and then we'll discuss each of them at, at length. Uh, then uh, I'd like to. In fact, I want to start with this before we get into the gotra debate. The economic benefits and dangers of subscription-based model, because I keep pushing that. and there are some dangers as well and i think we have you know some very bright minds to tell us what the dangers are and let's see where that uh, takes us uh, then we have the pakistan kartarpur corridor which recently you've seen all that happened siddu went uh, uh, miss badal went and she had a very emotional speech to give and siddu had oi thok tali ye wo so uh, i'd like to know you know from the panel where that is going uh, does uh, specifically should there be exchange of artists and sports and stuff in the backdrop of terrorism and does literary translate to good cinema and manisha insisted we do how do foreign correspondents cover issues in india because she thought the way this whole brahmanical uh, patriarchy uh, the fracas no the andaman nicobar story that but you also said on this they covered it i mean they the understanding the brahmanical patriarchy story okay. was also But anyway, but this has been quoted that it, they, it says uh, this report. It's from some Firangi organization saying tension between <laughs> higher caste like Brahmins and lower caste like Dalits, a community of people once known as untouchables, have been escalating in recent years. And because uh, of Twitter, because uh, of that Twitter thing. <laughs> so okay, I've talked enough. So Manu, let's start with you. Let's just first negotiate news because we were discussing that even before. Do you think subscription is the answer to? a flawed advertising model or do you think the danger is that an organization get boxed in because ideologically inclined people will decide the agenda what should be covered well today we have two kinds of subscription models one is called subscription and the other is called donation uh i feel uh, there uh now there are activist organization which are uh, widely believed to be in journalism too uh who ask for donations and i think uh it's not a bad model at all uh but there the problem is that i'm clearly donating to you because you have been very critical of uh, of a particular ideology so 
uh, I'm going to put, I mean, there is a pressure on them not to antagonize their base. Like, for example, if, if there's an organization which has taken on BJP, uh, they can't suddenly write a commonsensical piece on Aadhaar. You know, that will disappoint their subscribers. Now, for most of my life, I have worked in organization. In fact, my whole youth has been funded by subscribers. I used to be with Outlook and other places. There, we would get angry letters from subscribers. I hate this guy. I'm going to cancel my subscription. I'm going to cancel my subscription used to be a matter of pride for us. <laughs> and when I used to work in Outlook, I, I was the only guy who was not married, so I would, I would stay late. And I would get these calls from angry subscribers saying that we are not getting the magazine and all that, and I would just bang the phone down, you know. So, you know, now suddenly the journalism is in crisis, you know how precious subscribers are. In fact, when subscribers call, make fun of them. I'll have prank conversations with them. <laughs> I'll tell them I'm a burglar. I was just stealing the computer and you called. What's your subscription number anyway? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but now we treat them with a lot of... But by the time I become an editor, it was open. I mean, I was like, oh, that's a subscriber. That's a, that's a rare being, you know, worship him. So I feel that there is a... Uh, uh, what is happening right now is that if there are going to be only four major mobile phone brands. I'm asking why should a country have 100 major news brands? Now, the point I'm trying to get at is that for a long time, we thought niche was something small. But I feel that today, niche can be something big as long as you are a niche. So a big organization like a New York Times or New Yorker would get general subscribers. But other, other organizations uh, will get subscribers who are interested in a niche. But it doesn't mean these subscribers are 100. You know, they could be hundreds of thousands who are interested in a particular niche. As long as they identify uh, something with you, then you're on. So what, what you're saying is it is definitely an improvement to the advertiser model, but far from perfect. Yeah, see, even in the advertiser, yes, there was a, there is a problem with the advertiser model, theoretically, because these guys are your advertisers and there is a perception that you're not supposed to write anything against them. But, uh, I mean, New York Times also gets uh, advertisements. It depends on the culture uh, uh, of your country and your journalism. But you can say that, no, yeah, thank you for your advertisements, but we are going to do what we want to do. But then, practically, uh, editors have EMIs, and they have mm -hmm. many financial obligations, and they are professionals. Mm. So they could come under pressure from their promoters saying that just... Uh, Sure. Go easy on the. No, we don't have to be actually very moralistic about things. But so there, yes, there is. So in, it is in that context. Not advertising itself is not a flawed model, but human beings are a flawed model. Uh, so, so they make it imperfect. Yeah, and I and I feel that it's as corrupt. Donations are as corrupt as advertising model. That's what I'm trying to say. How is that? But not because if I'm going to donate uh, donate to you because I like you because you've been uh, you've been exposing say Amit Shah, okay, and then you are under a lot of pressure uh, not to do any positive stories. When, for example, if, if you know that Rafael is not a scam, I mean you are under pressure to just keep milking and making a particular kind of noises. You wouldn't have the uh, incentive to incentive. Not only that, you wouldn't even. Uh, I mean, the worst thing is when you start believing what you do is moral, you know, that is what happens to activism eventually, you know. And mm -hmm. all these people uh, uh, do very well because one, they are 
because they are activists, they are, I think, smarter than journalists and they're better informed. And that's where they begin. And they have a what is called a moral compass, which for some reason is very important for a lot of people. Though I feel that you shouldn't need a compass if you're a moral being. But then they, this is what got them the initial glory. So they're going to stick to it. So. Uh, there is that corruption which comes with the donation model. It's yeah, great for individuals. Yeah. I think it is great for a blogger or an individual who's not a foundation, who's not an organization, to go for donations. It can't corrupt you because you are what you are anyway. Everybody knows mm. this is what you are. Mm. But for an organization, I think it could be as corrupt as the advertising model. Madhu, your view? I think um, the subscription model is a huge challenge, a bigger challenge than advertising because because of the readership and viewership has now increasingly become interested in only reading or watching stuff that they agree with. And that then puts the person, the organization asking for this for you to buy a subscription that we have to please our subscribers. Now the very basis of News Laundry subscription model is that we're not going to please advertisers, we're not going to please any government that's in the in power, and we're not going to please any bureaucrat, and we're going to try to cover both sides of every story. It's not that we can be objective, but certainly as this as many sides as they as many emerge. sides there are, and obviously, if one side says it's raining, the other side says it's not. We still, as journalists, have to open our eyes and see that is it raining or not. We can't just put both sides in and be blind to it. So my concern is really that people often will tweet back and say, this is biased. Uh, many Modi supporters are calling the coverage of the Farmers' March biased when actually journalists are just covering it. It's not like we're promoting them, but they're calling it biased. So that tendency, I think, is a very unfortunate development in India where people want to read only what they agree with. Right. I would think that a av- person of average intelligence would say, I want to read both sides or other sides to, n- to be better informed, to at least know what... That's why I don't block a lot of people on Twitter who are abusive because I want to know what they're up to. Sure. I want to know which side, how that side is thinking. Manisha? I think there are two aspects to it. One is news as an information need. So, you know, so what's happening in your city, your neighborhood, and say what you want to say, but Times of India... I don't like the front page at all, but the city pages are really good. They keep you informed about what's happening, what's important to you, what's nearest to you and most important to you. But to run that, to make those pages, you need a bureau, you need journalists, you need like a lot of money, which I don't think if subscription, it will always be advertising driven. And that information is very important. I think journalism, like at its very core, is about people wanting information, like really basic information. Not, I mean, not everyone wants to be fed or be told that this is what you should be thinking. A lot of people just want information. That, I, I think it'll always be advertising-driven. I, I don't see a subscription model where people would pay a lot of money for that kind of information to come for them. And the second aspect is probably like a longer, like you said, niche organizations or doing like in-depth reporting. And for that, the challenge is that I think you'd only subscribe when you see like immense value in that product, journalistic value, like, really solid reportage or you know good reading material but again to produce that you need money anand and yeah and we'll after this I have one quick con- question for the audience and then we'll move on we have four issues to cover so we'll try to give like 20 minutes to each so we can have question answers after that i think the initial danger about subscription model is uh, the pharmacy get vividwarti model hmm. so pe- the audience uh, 
ask for particular songs to be played and uh, you play those songs now that is one second is uh, but you play only songs which are available so there is a way out also so i don't think those radio stations played songs which were not available and arranged for that so there is a way out for that also but the more fundamental question uh, question is that uh, subscriber model turns the readers viewers or listeners into clients and uh, that is a problem i face uh, in university uh, i had a short stint as an ad hoc teacher in university and now i am a private coaching teacher now here students are clients they are clients to me not in university because i could teach the way i wanted and i could go at my pace in covering syllabus but not here because the pressure of uh, commercial uh, um, punishment is much more so that is also a problem i think subscription model uh, has in, in media the uh, the third is that advertising model on mass scale information now uh, the uh, digital properties media properties that uh, have come up in india are still not news uh, gatherers or givers or even if they are they are taken with more uh, skepticism than mainstream media because mainstream media with uh, without all their uh, with all their biases are uh, still the place to go for news information which is i think similar mm. to the point yeah. mm. that is still the paper. so that that is also a problem with uh, the digital properties or and the subscription or donation models that have uh, come up all and uh, to attract uh, good talent you need to pay money and uh, i don't know whether these digital properties have that money to pay good talent that is also a crisis thanks and, so we are all talentless and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the, i think i think uh, to some, uh, wind up my point uh, also uh, even in mainstream media I, i the more you meet journalists the more you know them the less uh, you want to read them because you know their biases you know their information deficit and ignorance and uh, so the, uh, when i was a reader just a student i read them with lot of devotion i used to underline uh, newspapers but uh, uh, it changed when i uh, came to know journalists maybe so, it's age and not yes. knowing you knowing them but before <laughs> i i uh, but you know, just one i just want to make a distinction between donations and subscriptions like I don't think as a journalist I'd want donations for the work I do. Subscription is value. It's like, you know, you go you get a Netflix a subscription. Right. There's value in that Netflix subscription because I'm going to get also to also legally so much. Uh, if you take donations then Yeah, I mean, donations <laughs> are a bit like <laughs> the, the yeah, legal changes. But I I just have one quick question from, you know, Stapur. How many of you identify yourself as ideologically liberal conservative? I mean, consciously you believe this is what you are. Hands up subscribers. So I have about, you know, maybe just about 10% of you identify yourself and and the ones who do identify conservative liberal where do you stand liberal conservative so we have one guy who identifies himself as conservative the rest you identify liberal and the rest you don't really identify yourself one way or the other hmm. so the rest wouldn't want to uh, raise their hands so the rest <laughs> are dishonest dogs yeah, there are people who, <laughs> who wouldn't want to raise their hands no but okay. that's a good sign for news laundry if we have 
one conservative and one liberal because one of the points that we have been pushing in news laundry is that we do not align ourselves to any one particular organizationally news yeah uh, as an organization news laundry does not align itself to any political party or any political leader or cause i don't think uh, you should take reader surveys that seriously <laughs> good point <laughs> I, i don't think you should take anything that people say about themselves very seriously <laughs> exactly because yeah the, 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 that after i just said that we do not uh, thank you <laughs> thank you manu so believe me we do not individually they may be doing whatever but as a news organization we do try to keep a balance between so called leftists and so called conservatives or right wing but yeah i mean the whole thing is that yeah not everybody identifies themselves but maybe they are a certain way yeah. but i think my only point is and i'll you know have the last word and we'll move on to the whole gotra debate uh, is that oh, i understand it's imperfect but it's like a, a house that's made on many pillars if you take five pillars out of equation it still stays a house that's made on five pillars any two pillars will make it unstable so subscribers are like 100 pillars and advertisers are like five so purely by just that logic i think there is less of a chance of you being directed a certain way yeah, that's that's my view you know just crudely speaking hmm. uh, now moving on to gotra first of all uh, when this whole gotra thing happened we were discussing why what all should we discuss so f- i said first of all what is gotra i should not seem so ignorant when we do the hafta so f- I present you Anand who will first explain what is Gotra. Because <laughs> so I can also understand. Then we can discuss this Gotra debate. Oh, unlike uh, caste, uh, which is uh, endogamous entity, so Gotra is uh, exogamous. So, in English, please. Uh, exogamous means uh, it is uh, a subgroup within caste, and you cannot uh, marry within it. It okay. would be considered incest. okay mm. so this is the uh, this is a social distinction uh, now uh, based if, on what based i am coming to that so uh, now historians uh, are divided over the origins of it but i am just putting two three lines to sum up it uh, rigveda uh, um, refers to gotra as gotra gotra so uh, kaupen where all uh, the cow herd were people of the same community used to tie their cows the, so the solidarity came from that oh so gotra patra is jag, uh, the place yatra tatra gotra and gotra. now that has been contested by a time of upanishads its origin has been derived from the seven uh, rishis uh, of the vedic period itself that is interesting because rigveda says something else so uh, seven rishis and all are descendants of that so, so uh, we are all descendants of one of these seven rishis seven like like kastya of this that is and now panenini the sanskrit grammarian now he used gotra for a different uh, purpose but let us so basically it is so basically one of these rishis and if that rishi is your daddy then you can't marry within the same daddy's children so then you have the same daddy basically that's the deal so there's seven rishis So that is where the whole thing Gotra comes from. So now um, let me start from the ladies this time, Manisha. Uh, we <coughs> there's this rhetoric that I don't believe in caste. I am so pure. भाई मैं तो नहीं मानता बधाई हो आपको लड्डू मिलने चाहिए उसके लिए. लेकिन ऐसे बहुत से लोग हैं जो स्कूल कॉलेज गए हैं जो कास्ट को नहीं मानते जिनको गोत्रा पता ही नहीं था मेरा है क्या है भी नहीं कि नहीं है तो हम जैसे लोग बोलते हैं भाई इट्स इर रेलिवेंट कास्ट इज इर रेलिवेंट बट इलेक्टोरली इज इट रियली रेलिवेंट आई मीन आई एम श्योर यंग राहुल डज नॉट इवन नो लेस देन मी अबाउट गोत्र 
बट ही हैज नॉट कंटेस्टेड बाई वाई टर्ग माई गोत्रा अतिशी मरलिना हु इज फेमसली सर नेम वॉज मार्क्स एंड लेन को मिला के एंड आई पर्सनली हैव अ वेरी हाई ओपिनियन ऑफ हर बट इवन शी कनॉट पब्लिकली से कि भाई वाई डू हैव टू चेंज माई सर नेम आशुतोष ऑफ आम आदमी पार्टी वेन ही वॉज कंटेस्टिंग इलेक्शन आई थिंक सम पीपल थॉट हीड विन लाइक डूड्स लाइक सीरियसली बट सो बट ही एडिट गुप्ता बिकॉज देन अपेरेंटली बनिया वोट फॉर हिम क्लियरली दे डिट बट समिंग सो बट वी कीप जजिंग दिस एंड यू नो होली दंदा पीपल लाइक मी पब्लिक स्कूल एजुकेट मेक फन ऑफ दिस बट इज इट अ फैक्ट एंड शुड वी जस्ट एक्सेप्ट इट एंड देर फॉर नेगोशिएट आर कॉन्वर्जेशन अराउंड दैट इट मैटर्स इलेक्टोरली इट डजेंट मैटर वट पीपल लाइक यू सिट एट सोशल मैटर्स इलेक्टोरली एंड दैर इज लाइक वेल इस्टेब्लिश दथिंग टू बी एंड In fact, like most but media, news debates, but does media acknowledge that? Because media says, "How can he say this?" No, no. So the, that's the funniest part. When this whole Gotra thing happened, it was front page news on Rajasthan Patrika, all India Today, CNN. Everyone debated this issue. Rahul Kaval on his show had a pundit also to explain. Yeah, like we have Anand. He called a pundit, and all anchors started. They they started their whole show with, "Why does it even matter?" Why can't we talk about real issues? Why are we discussing Gotra? I mean, it's 2018, and then they went into a half an hour long conversation just debating Gotra and whether he is or he is not. So I mean, of course, conversations will can change, and media can bring it back to what it should be, but it's not happening. What is your view? Is there an inevitability to it? Because even Brahminical privilege, which one was talking about, or white privilege, what the West talks about, it's a reality. If that is a reality for people like us, should not Gotra be a reality for? you know people who have other kind of life experiences see one thing that somebody who is born into a privileged position whether it's caste or whether it's income uh for them to and it also connects with like if you have been privileged as in your education in your background and then you say completely reject it and say i'm going to be uh, live on the level as same level as the people which some communists do or profess to do but don't really do uh i think you can never run away from your past that much so i think both are similar in the sense that you can say i reject my privilege but you it's just a simple thing that you can be poor person can be poor but you with your background and privilege will only be broke because you won't be poor because getting out of that is extremely difficult but with say a privileged background you may have no money but you have the means to get out of it where a poor person has limited means because of his background and lack of privilege so for anyone of any caste to say i reject it it's kind of nice but it's not effective it's not realistic because when you live with that and you expect people to presume that you will be viewed beyond your surname and beyond your caste and i don't know how you can accomplish that unless you carry a sign everywhere you go that please don't look at my surname so if you are applying for an apartment or a flat or or a job or whatever and you say don't look at my surname because i'm not this caste please look at me as so so castless. therefore so, so 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 therefore are we saying that politically also it's inevitable manu your view on this um is is that should that be the starting point oh, one more thing i'd like to add yeah. is that in the interviews that we've seen uh in madhya pradesh or maybe it was in the farmers one of the interviews on news laundry uh, which people can watch uh, in the in, from the villages one of them said that i um for us caste or religion is not a mudda this time 
We don't care if the politicians are asking us to vote according to caste. We will not vote according to caste. But we will vote according to I'm sure our needs. But there, I think people just respond to what they think the journalists want to hear. Yeah, would you vote That's for a person possible. from not your community? In your, uh, Manu, go ahead. See, there's something P. Sainath once said, but I usually don't quote P. Sainath. My God. Uh, he said, if you don't know your caste, you're probably upper caste. Upper caste, yeah. you know, So, which is uh, that's, that's the only exactly funny it. thing I think he has said. And, uh, and I think it is... <laughs> It's probably not applicable outside posh people, you know, but it makes a lot of sense among these urban people who say, I reject caste, you know, because you obviously wouldn't if you're a Dalit because it's too much of a cultural wound, right? right. Now, Gotra is slightly different, and I, I look at it this way. I, uh, you know, I have this theory behind some, a lot of people take the lipid profile because there's nothing else which talks about them. <laughs> It's like my lipid profile, my sugar level, my blood. <laughs> no, it might sound or facetious. Or maybe they're just diabetic like me and no, you're but, not, so you can I afford know, but to laugh I know, it might sound facetious, but there's something about what belongs to you. It's like most people are not, they have nothing uh, which is a tribute to themselves, which is nothing about themselves. In fact, the whole success of social media is that now, I mean, earlier you needed to be known by a million people to be famous. Now, 15 people also. You can be famous to 15 people. Similarly, the lipid profile, I'm just coming to the point, but lipid profile, my back pain. You know, people talk for one hour about that back pain because it is their back pain. You know? <laughs> so we should, the whole thing about identity is very, very powerful. I know you take cars, go through, you can say, I don't believe the supernatural, mythical underpinning of it, mm. but once it's connected to you, it's a great bond. And that's a very, very strong political bond. And like from the example of a gentleman called Javed Akhtar, who's supposed to be an atheist, which is the most meaningless description of him, you know that he's Muslim, right? <laughs> yeah. There is, you know, you... Uh. There are a lot of Christ I mean, scientists in America who are actually very Christian scientists. I'm telling you, without Christianity, nobody will talk about this bullshit called the Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory itself is based, is inspired by the Bible. In the beginning was the word. That is why, you know, so I feel religion and identity, what you are, the culture is very, very powerful. And it's going to be even more powerful. Now, what's happening is the whole aspect of modernity is you are what you say you are. Mm. That is the... It's, I think it's rubbish, you know. It's compared to this, that you are what the society says you are, is actually a much powerful force than the force of modernity, which says you are what you are. Or you know? what your Twitter feed says you are now, I guess. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Because, because identity is the very opposite of spectrum, you know. And what modernity tries to say is that your identity is on a spectrum. You say, I'm not an Indian, I'm global. That actually means nothing. Because from India to Japan, you know, I, can, I kind of, I keep changing. I'm, 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 if you belong to everybody, you belong to nobody, you know. So I feel for, and also it's home, caste. Now Gotra, see, now people may not know the Gotra, but once they know, it's home, it's another home, right? And also a lot of people in this world, uh, I feel that uh, they only belong in, in, in a home. And many people who can belong in many places will not understand the power of belonging to a home. You know, that is, in fact, I feel that's the reason why nationalism itself is very powerful and which uh, more sophisticated people don't get and they want to be very dismissive is that they don't understand the aspect of home in nationalism. Like these people are fish out of water in New York, in Manhattan. You know, we may not be. You know, for so, for, so it matters a lot. But for, yeah, it, uh, very interesting, as usual. Manu has some fantastic 
you know insights and angles to this but i will say that with social media becoming what it is i think one tends to become uh, see a lot of people and i was i didn't think people would actually do this but clearly people are because i've observed people do this they find friends on social media like if someone on twitter said hi you want to meet for dinner it's like are you fucking mad you could be a bloody serial killer for all i know sorry language okay mother this is this is a good boy hafta so uh but a lot of people do because um and then that becomes what dictates your home what you're talking about and i have seen for a lot of people that is what it is is that true would people meet just on an from yes. an unknown person how many people have done that not completely unknown but they have checked out each other's twitter profiles they they see where they are and then they meet i i, I know isn't it dangerous Yeah, I mean I think I think lonely I think you're talking about loneliness I think loneliness <laughs> loneliness is different uh, I think loneliness is slightly different you know in mm. fact a sense of home is about crowd actually the people who are more sociable are the ones who actually want to be anchored in a house or a But home But you think in this case with okay now people knowing what Rahul Gandhi's gotra is will it create a sense of the will voters have this sense of home with him like do you think it'll change Too early I would say I would mm. think it's but it can is what you I'm saying Wow. Okay. No, but when you look at him visually, I don't think that the first thing that comes to your mind is Gotra. <laughs> but I was just, just thinking that yeah, he he, he looks like uh, I mean when I see him, I don't like think Gotra. He looks like the son of an Italian and a Kashmiri. <laughs> so I think or Parsi. Who would you look at and think Gotra? <laughs> no, no. In fact, I don't have to think of any. In fact, it just comes, which is that, uh, which is that, uh, the Honey movie. Uh, American Pie. No, uh, the one which was a bestseller is a huge book. Uh, oh, Grey. Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. His hero is looks exactly like Rahul Gandhi. Actually, <laughs> so I was, it was completely. No. I said, how did the nationalists miss it? Because <laughs> it was very disorienting, you know. Because you're uh, imagining Rahul Gandhi in that role. So. Yeah, no, but and, that's and my point. That the visual kills whatever anyone can profess. That he can say, I am because one. He's his father was half Feroz Gandhi <coughs> was Parsi and his was he Parsi or Muslim? Can I settle no, this because Parsi, he was Parsi, Parsi, Parsi. Zoroastrian, and uh, <laughs> Indira Gandhi was Kashmiri. So then he is half Parsi, half Kashmiri. Then he marries a an Italian Catholic. Like Smriti's children. Yeah. So he's it, marries an Italian Catholic, which in with any stretch of imagination cannot make Rahul Gandhi of any gotra at all, other than uh, Parsi. No, but uh, sorry, Anand, if you could just come in and, and give us your views on this, and then we'll move on to the next thing. But I, I think you'll be of a Gotra even if you're not Indian, because these seven rishis were everybody's daddies, like like Adam and Eve. Whether you're Italian or not, ev- right? Isn't that it, or is just Indians' daddies? <laughs> Those who identify with them, you know. Okay, the, so uh, as Manu had uh, earlier written on cultural orphans, the homecoming, so. the modern indian is uh, urban indian the post indian particularly is a cultural orphan so he hides behind uh, very uh, exalted values very noble values of um, say democracy freedom because uh, the cultural moorings have become so weak so uh, a kind of cultural orphan so he seeks some kind of identity and that's that to an extent also uh, hides uh, their mediocrity in many ways so anyway but uh, i was just elaborating on manu's point of cultural orphan so now uh, second i am keeping my point specific to caste and its inevitability in indian politics mm. so there was uh, this grand expectation 
that uh, this heroic constitutional document would uh, somehow uh, <laughs> make uh, modernity and democracy and people would be very embarrassed with their cause and and they will somehow uh, adopt uh, modernity and con uh, constitutionalism. But it didn't happen. The other way happened that caste itself, caste as an institution and less as an ideology, caste adopted itself to constitution. And uh, as I think Rajni Kothari, after a lot of empirical studies in 1970, he made a very important point that uh, it is uh, not that politics is caste-ridden, but caste has, caste has somehow embarrassed politics. And in the first three decades of Indian politics, you, you see the middle-level castes with uh, universal adult franchisee, they, they challenged the upper castes, and they were the political hot potatoes. They, they became powerful and they displaced a uh, lot of our upper caste, uh, say, dominance over politics. And that was the first moment when caste became a very main, very mm, mainstream item of electoral politics. Earlier it was just hierarchy, earlier it was a privilege. But as a lubricant of uh, electoral politics, that was significant. So, and uh, also, the second moment was of course uh, when that, and uh, you see many uh, forces which led to formation of regional parties was not regionalism itself, but, but it was the fail, it was the failure of Congress system, as they said, to be the umbrella party of all caste groups. So, uh, uh, but it was a highly Brahminical party. Uh, I mean, second, uh, second, second moment came, of course, our post-mandal, post-mandal, the empowerment of OBCs, and you should not uh, uh, look at caste from people uh, who don't know the local theatres of caste power play. So many, uh, at many places, it's not the upper caste who are pitted against the Dalits. It's the OBCs. It's sure. it, it because. The terms of uh, economic uh, economic competition, the terms of economic competition in it's agrarian economy, yes. and between a Brahmin. But yes. I, I will say that I don't think it's historically, at least in India, it hasn't played out similarly. You know, across the country, like a Periyar movement was a different. The dynamic there was different. You know, in Bihar, it was different with you know the Yadav, you know, claiming it and embracing it and using it to his advantage. But I will say that, yes, there is an inevitability to it, and it will be used, and I will use the word that Manu just made fun of, the moral compass, so I'll drop the compass, but your morality will determine how you use it. Uh, I, I mean, I do believe that it's easy for a Brahmin to say, I don't believe in caste, but it's not easy for a Dalit to say that. Just like, you know, I know uh, you guys, have you seen this, this uh, film called See No Evil, Hear No Evil? When I was uh, in school, uh, it was a very popular film. Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, there are a whole bunch. Manu, do you remember no. that? Okay. Uh, Manu is much younger than me. Do any, does anyone remember Gene Wilder? Richard? No, but I know, I know she has seen him. No, he was not joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, in that, uh, one of them is blind and the other is deaf. And uh, Richard Pryor is deaf. He's black. He's, he's a black actor. He's a very famous comedy actor. And in that, you know, he, there's one line where he says, he's pretending that he can see. So Gene Wilder, I think, says, dude, it's like pretending that you're white. He says, I'm not? 
<laughs> you know, because he, I mean, he's like, I've gone through my whole, it was a joke <laughs> that how can you go through your whole life, you know, thinking you're white, obviously how you're treated is the color of your skin. So it's very easy for someone to say, who doesn't have to deal with that, that I'm color agnostic. But someone who has to bear the brunt of it will not be so. Uh, so I think the starting point for political discourse to say that caste is, you know, it doesn't exist is flawed, but how one shapes the debate is important. Mm. But yeah. closing this, how many of you now know Rahul Gandhi's Gotra? Not even one of you. What is it? But that's the brilliant part, no? If you, like, Rahul Gandhi in Congress, they're constantly responding to the narrative that BJP sets for them. Mm. So Rahul Gandhi will say, I'm Hindu. BJP will say, Hindu, to tell Gotra. Kya hai. Then they'll say, Hamara Gotra hai. But you're constantly responding to them. Whereas BJP is already, like, you have to watch this video uh, with the Saurabh Devedi on Lalan Top. He's mm. interviewing a bunch of women at a rally where these women are convinced that Jawaharlal Nehru is Moinuddin something. They're like, nahi, wo Muslim. बिल्ट अर That I think is very not everyone may believe he's half Muslim or whatever, but I think everyone it's pretty firmly established. I think as a perception for many people. But Ramachandra Guha uh, tweeted this morning that uh, Rahul Gandhi's temple hopping hmm. is an embarrassment for his Actually, for people like Jawaharlal Nehru. Digvijay Singh tried that when he was seeking re-election after three terms and it didn't work for him. I remember Oma Bharti was against him and she trashed him. I mean, he was trying to out Hindu Oma Bharti like. Dude, you're challenging Ronaldo to a like penalty shootout. How how foolish is that? Um, <laughs> now, um, coming to since you've uh, written, you know, three novels, uh, and uh, I believe, like you said, one of them is being adapted for the screen. You were writing one for the screen, right? Uh, last we met, uh, I mean, when when you were on that interview with Anand. Yeah, I'm working on all of them, and in fact, okay. it's uh, all three books. <clears throat> Yeah, but yeah, when uh, when these when they have these kind of conversations, I I also I I feel that uh, uh, film and TV say they're very different uh, uh, ways of telling story, mm. and I feel that novelists should not be very possessive of their What form, they? and I think it's a mistake for them to be to believe that you have to stick to this. So I I try to show them. I thought it's better for me to show them how it can be cinematic. You know, without. But uh, you leave it to them. Finally. I leave it to them. Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the things we want to discuss is, you know, with the success of Sacred Games, there is a lot of, um, and and apparently uh, Prayag's book is also being made into. How many have you uh, seen Sacred Games? It's pretty much Almost everyone. Almost everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone. So um, does it translate well in into cinema, uh, or the visual, you know, audiovisual medium, uh, or is there a compromise? So on that, you know, let me start with you, Anand. I remember very. I don't know if this was true, because now that you know, now that we're in the digital age, now I'm questioning everything I was told as a child. Did R. K. Lakshman actually say that he was unhappy with Guide, yeah, or is he just he called it a bastard child or something like that? He was very unhappy. But who told you? Did Nehru tell you? R. K. Narayan. But it was actually Sorry, a very Guide was actually a very Lakshman. bad book. Sorry, R. K. Narayan. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you, do you think there is this again an inevitability to the writer feeling dissatisfied? Or depending on how 
how creative you are. If you're a really creative person, you would have imagined it some way and someone not as creative as you will do it another and you'll be left dissatisfied. Just on some fact, Arkin Narayan was uh, uh, very annoyed. He, in fact, wrote an essay, Misguided Guide, so, uh, about how Devanand uh, took him for a ride in this Obviously, yes. he says, my guide so, never walked sideways. Yes. And Devanand only walked so, sideways. <laughs> So, uh, I think uh, the problem, I, I asked Manu uh, in the interview also, the more fundamental problem is, how do you depict thought in a film? Now, the standard Indian practice is to have the pro um, act so, actor uh, talking to, uh, to the mirror. Mm. Now that is idiotic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, means, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mirror talks back or some shadows talking to you. Huh. So, uh, the, the severest limitation of visual media in converting a work of fiction is uh, depiction of thought as thought. So, and uh, the appeal of a lot of works of literature is that. Uh, what, what the character was thinking, thinking rather than doing, doing, sure. and you, you have to show. So uh, that is, uh, I think. Uh, uh, second is uh, the TV. I will come to see TV series, but I uh, first want Manu to see. Mm, what do you think, Manu? Is it? Yeah. How, are you hopeful? How, are you, are you <laughs> waiting to be disappointed with what they do to your book? <laughs> no. Well, I uh, so I have written one film earlier and in fact it was not even based on my shots so it was a film that I co-wrote and when I went to watch the film I thought oh I've come to some other hall for the first eight minutes I didn't I didn't what because it's such that? a it is, it's called Love Kitch D uh, okay. and uh, I was 25 and okay. it was supposed okay. to be my so biography but it was not <laughs> So it was. Uh, it's a director's medium, you know. So he is going to interpret what uh, you have written the way he can, and depending on the funds that he has got. That okay. Now the thing about novelists, actually, a lot of novelists. I'm really surprised. Don't say it because they're in the business of truth. Uh, a novel is a completely bullshit depiction of life, in the sense that what happens in a novel is exactly not how we live. Uh, for example, okay, in Serious Men begins with uh, there is something called the point of view of a character. You, you know what is said because I'm trying to tell you this is what is going on in the character's mind. He's walking on the beach and uh, he appears to suggest that uh, he has a side parting. And that parting is very blurred, like the border between two hostile, the border that British used to draw between two hostile neighbors. Mm. Okay. This is not how a guy is going to think when he's walking on the Budley Sea face. He's not going to say, I have a side parting, and this parting is very, very, very ambiguous, like the border between India and Pakistan. No, that is not how we think. So it is a very, it is a trick. You know, mm. it is. Uh, it is a medium, it is, a, it is almost like a separate language, okay, which tries to convince you that this is like... Now, what ha goes on in the character is, is not how we, uh, we live. While a film, I would say, is almost slightly more anthropological in the sense that they, they can't play with the thought. They have to show what is possible, you know. So, and so, it's a, so it's a, one whole dimension is not available to cinema, so I, I'm someone who I find that very interesting. 
and that's that's what makes it interesting for me i, I think I'll, I'll, before i come to madhu which is, i think both of them have their pros and cons and of course there is the more realistic cinema you know whatever one may say about it uh but there are certain things which you can do in cinema which don't seem weird until you really think about it devanand being one that a person if you were talking to normally forget finding him attractive you wouldn't even find him normal that each time he said something he did this five times before he said it he would say dude there's something wrong with you go away or if you said come here he said yeah he turned this way and then he came like this you think he's weird in a book if you wrote and as he walked with his hands dangling to his left walking shoulder first you think the guy's mad but in cinema that can be style so i i think both have the certain realism that you can demonstrate in cinema and certain fantasy and certain that you can do in books no what i'm trying to say is the very substance of a novel is based on an improbable way of thinking like for example a mother is looking at the child who has, she has such small mouth but she eats so much okay it's a good observation in a novel highly improbable in real life because it's the 10000th time she's feeding that bloody child <laughs> the mother is probably thinking something very non literary like can't you just finish the damn food hmm madhu i don't agree with this yeah, at all even hmm. i don't agree with um, this i think first of all the two mediums are not to be compared so when a book is made into a film one should not expect as many screenplay writers authors turned screenplay writers in hollywood have said that once you've handed sold your book rights don't expect anything to be similar to to the book and i think that's because the mediums are so different and which is fine uh, as where i disagree with manu is that there have been many films and i i remember one instantly is the film with um uh, the hours uh, based on uh, three stories one is played by um Meryl Streep Virginia Woolf one is Nicole Kidman who plays Virginia Woolf and oh yeah I know that was right yeah. uh, and Julian uh, Julian Moore mm-hmm. plays in one one of the stories and i remember one scene where she is sitting in the bathroom without saying a word and a husband who thinks that his marriage is perfect is calling for her at at night and saying come to bed and she's sitting there without saying a word swallowing her pain swallowing her frustration and sitting there and just crying silently now i think what was written in the book was very similar but completely different also so what was shown in the film was the emotion of what she went through without actually spelling it out in words so the book spelled it out the movie translated it but the emotion was the same so i don't think one should compare the two mediums so if a story is sold to a book is sold to a filmmaker he'll make his own version hopefully the emotion and the sense and the ethos is the same but if it goes completely berserk the author has no control manisha you can yeah, say i was just thinking about what manu was saying and i don't i mean how is it that if it's uh, if it's not true to really life then how is it that you can connect with it so much in a way that you don't with movies and i'll just read out like you a little line you don't have to connect only with the truth is what i'm saying you, we know how to make you thing. connect and in fact no, you I won't connect if i'm very very if i'm making a, like elipatai which is to me the malayalam for when the, when the, when the when it doesn't buffer you know when your when your internet speed is slow i feel that i'm making a malayalam art film <laughs> because nothing happens and then one blay bird will fly you uh. know and then nothing happens again hmm. now so, that was art cinema let's not forget the 
try to depict reality, it was a colossal failure, you know, because mm. people, it was a confusion in the minds of some people that art is reality, you know, art is talent and it can express itself in many ways of many kinds of storytelling, you know, and reality is one. Reality also need to be told in a way which need not be real. That but I Manu, agree. when you know, a woman's mother is feeding a baby and she feels, as is written in the book, I wish this baby would just finish the food and is frustrated with feeding the baby a hundredth time, although she's saying, I'm putting a scenario together for you, that she's really talented and doesn't have the time to spend on her writing or acting or whatever she does. Um, and she has, to, she has to spend all her time basically taking care of the baby. I think a film would, could depict that very accurately, just by the way the mo mother feeds the baby. The frustration, her so thoughts So that's where the talent else. is going to matter. Yeah. Or, or you can do take the artistic route, which is like, I've been emotionally scarred by Assamese films, which I used to sit and watch at 1.30 on Sundays, where a woman is combing her hair, and she's combing again, and she keeps combing, and then the water boils. <laughs> and then... She combs her hair. A lot of European yeah. films then, are like that. Yeah. And then everybody dies in the end. I always wait for that. <laughs> Manisha, you were so good. I'm going to elaborate this with an example. I'm going to read a line out of a book called Less. It's a line that says, How can so many things become a bore by middle age? Philosophy, radicalism and other fast foods. But heartbreak keep its sting. Now, somebody in the middle age may not... Uh, I mean, like a heartbreak at 40 or 50. You may not feel this. What you're saying is that... Someone who's going through that heartbreak is not going to sit and think, okay, how is it that I'm bored of so many things, but heartbreak still has a sting. But when the author puts it like this, I can relate to it. I can see that, oh, shit, it's... it's. See, I'm not so disputing I'm that. I think there's a confusion. Uh, what I'm saying is, in fact, I feel that's great. Mm. That is why it is great. I was trying to explain why novelists should not expect films, why it's very foolish for novelists to look so surprised when the film is different. Ah, yes. That's it all, cannot. you know, yeah. because there's the only <laughs> way the on novel, that. you know, so I feel that novel is in entirely in the medium. Look at the English okay. patient. So, so. I mean, that mm. was, exactly. you can't really compare the book to the film. It was different. It had the essence. So I think that, that in, in that you're right, because if authors are expecting it to be exactly the way they wrote it, it's not going to happen. Okay, let's take a few questions or comments from the audience and let's just keep them brief. And from Facebook, if there are any other questions, Snigda, you can just select them and tell us. So let's just take 10 minutes of interaction, then we'll get back to the last two issues and then we'll wind up quickly. Uh, do we have any uh, before we take any from Facebook? Okay, let's start with the gentleman here. Yeah, hi, I'm Ayush. Uh, so my question is, so I have a couple of questions. Uh, first to Mr. Anand and Mr. Manu about right-wing politics in India in general. What we have seen in the past four and a half years is a, in my lifetime is the first uh, proper uh, right-wing government with a full mandate. Do you think the economics could have been different uh, in these four, four and a half years or is it as Arun Shori put it, it's just Congress plus cow? Okay. If there is a good right-wing government, what would the economics of it look like? Okay, uh, and? Uh, and to news laundry in general, hmm. uh, okay, I have a grouse hmm. that uh, uh, when I came in as a subscriber, I was, I was told that I'll pay to keep news free. Hmm. But the more and more I uh, get your content, it's more about the views rather than the news. Uh, so more ground reports, less opinion writing is what you like. Uh, yes, uh, uh, and one more, uh, there's a good... Uh, show by scroll called the morning fix mm. uh, it's an excellent show every morning it comes in five minutes it tells you all the important stories of the day oh my yeah, god wanting us to do it for a long time yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, i think you can do something like that 
at least I'm on a weekly basis. I'm fed up with this. <laughs> some form, uh, some form of news delivery or, or information delivery. Headlines of five minutes. No, no, yeah. don't do it. Don't but, do it. But, Let five yeah. hundred people do it, and then we'll but say, "We need someone." But it's all night. You need a team of four to work all night to have that in the morning ready. Yeah, we just need it. It's, it's I, not. It I don't. I don't want it every morning. I'm okay. saying Saturday morning. No, give, you give, want it every morning. <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Okay, so uh, okay, let's take another question and another, and then we'll just come to we'll answer them all together. Yeah, there's one here. Yeah, Chirag. Uh, so we uh, see that there are two kinds of news. One is the information, uh, which has been mostly restricted to the print media now, and one is the opinion based, which we would see mostly in the TV. No, I wouldn't call it opinion. Hmm. Uh, but mostly on all the new online startups are mostly opinion based they do not have as big as news desks because of obviously logistical reasons and stuff but what i've really found out that they have i i it's very it's a, it has been a very difficult journey for online um, news media outlets to get any sense of balance so you have an entire spectrum one is on the left one is on the right obviously you try try and strive for balance but why has it been so like uh, there are uh, organizations which before you read you can expect the kind of bend they'd have and why are not more online online portals trying for more balance and in the more conventional so okay. sense i mean i have a view on that i'm sure I there's, there's money in ones. alliances uh, yeah, I, that's my view. I think it's. I think that it's they commercial pays them. Well. Commercialism. It's Both commercialism. It's commercialism. Right. Yes, yeah. definitely, because the people who have stated their agenda or their affiliations are getting the money from the parties that want that agenda. Or that lot. I think that yeah. whole, I think both it is sides. To do with that. Both uh, sides. So any and others? the ones, and, and that's why it's happened. It's basically a commerce. Okay. Also, while that question comes in for our Facebook viewers, we'll just take three from Facebook also after this. Uh, Manu is going to be at the uh, Times Lit Fest day after tomorrow. That's on Sunday, uh, on a one-on-one -on -one fireside chat, is what they call it. I learned overseas. I don't know if they call it that in India. Mm. <laughs> with whom? <laughs> it's a, uh, with whom? No, actually, I was told. Manu ki baat. This will be called Manu ki baat. So, uh, uh, but but you can see Manu, Manu, Manu in conversation with someone at the Times Lit Fest at Habitat day after tomorrow. Yeah, let's get that question. My name is Pratik. Uh, I want to know actually uh, aren't uh, uh, strong governments and strong leaders are overrated? Overrated? Because, yes. Mm, okay. Because they interfere everywhere. Strong governments and strong leaders. Good question. Right. Okay. Um, and um, uh, okay, we just come to the Facebook ones. Let's just start with um, what. No, let's would get an answer on this, Manu. I would be interested in your answer. This aren't our strong leaders. Uh, overrated. Would you want weak leaders? So, so Manmohan was on. kind of a weak mm. leader. He mm, was just. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, strong leaders and strong parties. Because they give so you material is, uh, writing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just certainty. You know, uh, even even in journalism, for the, like this whole thing about uh, citizen journalism and taking readers' view and then getting confused. I feel I feel that simpler if a person is extremely strong and if convinced. Okay, and I feel uh, uh, that it gives a lot of clarity to everybody around them. Uh, and uh, of course, there would be some compromises here and there, you know, like we see in, in, in many countries of the world, you know. Uh, but uh, I think that's, uh, I, I don't see any great virtue in an ambiguous situation where some kind of a consensus by force is interpreted as some great democratic virtue. You know? I don't think weak leaders survive too long, do they? Well, the, the, the they adaptable, to well, fight. Manmohan has Manmohan survived longer than years. any other prime minister, so weak leaders, man, survive. They're, they're like 
like like um, the weeds they they just stay no matter you know it's a problem in fact i find that it's actually very interesting i feel that uh, i mean there is a, a the most underrated thing in this world is the second best idea you know uh, because i i feel that most of the time when you look around look around this world the best idea is yours and the second best idea is everybody's second best idea which actually explains rahul gandhi in congress <laughs> right why everybody is asking how is rahul gandhi still surviving because he is everybody's second best idea because uh, digvijay's best idea is digvijay only you know <laughs> digvijay's second best idea is rahul gandhi you know chidambaram's second best idea is rahul gandhi chidambaram's first best idea is chidambaram so i feel that that consensus itself doesn't mean anything great in fact the second best idea has been extremely destructive for the world you know because it's so powerful and the thing in in a system where the best idea triumphs uh to me is 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 more honest you know because there is some, the best idea is going to take responsibility for that and that's it uh so in fact uh, i was in conversation with uh, barajdeep sardesai recently at an event where he i mean uh, he was very critical of uh, not very critical but he was a bit critical of kejriwal saying is a one man show but then i asked uh, rajdeep if a television news channel can be a one man show why can't up you mm-hmm. know it's completely not all of us who worked in an organization or run an organization you know that it has it's kind of it's managerial if see democracy is a decorum of society if you want to do things after democracy is achieved at one level you need to be autocratic you know that's how you also newspapers are run you know newspapers would talk about democracies newspapers are autocracies families are autocracies everything which everything is a mess is a democracy like relationships you know <laughs> love <laughs> then you know it is not a coincidence right uh, anand what will a right wing a truly right wing government look like this question was different no, one is no his is there two one is are strong question. leaders and governments overrated and the first question was what would we thought this would be right wing government it clearly hasn't like, what yeah, would it be he was uh, and he was asking economically economic, you know yeah economics so you can take both yes uh i think uh, any government in india uh, which uh, wants to have its capital of patronage will be a statist it it is a, a not right wing or left wing or something i think the legacy of uh, nehru and uh, to follow up with indira gandhi is that india is a typical statist country the state is at the center of things and political parties would not dispense with that great repository of power that they have in decision making and it's it, it has nothing to do with the liberal philosophy of less of economics economics or something so uh, as a uh those uh, who have studied theoretical politics know hamza alvi's formulation of post uh, oh, sorry the statist state in third world countries that we are overdeveloped states we have states which uh, which we have, uh, the third world uh, is uh, infiltrated by states which uh, have uh, kind of power in spheres which in which they have no business to have any power mm. so why would uh, a government at the height of its power dispense with that kind that's, of that's... decision making authority and uh, uh, the 
weak right-wing government under Mr. Vajpayee. So he created this investment ministry and this and that. He achieved a bit, but not much, because ultimately that uh, layer of decision-making uh, authority comes. Although I have a view on that, but quickly, can you just tell us what would, are they overrated, underrated, Ooh. strong leaders and no, governments? Uh, People here uh, have been arguing that uh, we had weak leaders uh, who ran, but they were not weak leaders. Maybe you don't know. You don't know that to survive, they became a strong leaders behind the like be, behind the curtains. I uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Ananda. We should not be caught in the theory of left and right. They actually thought experiments of uh, of academics because they needed to do something. And uh, then academics take their own thought experiments very seriously. And then in the real world, they are proved wrong. Then they will do another thesis on why this has changed. They don't realize they were wrong to begin with, you know. Something but changed. I feel what is definitely there in the heart of it all is that two, there are two types of people. Uh, I feel that some people are naturally on the side of the strong, either because they're very lucky, privileged, or that is just the nature where they feel that they have to be strong mentally or physically or culturally. And there are people who are naturally drawn to take care of the, of the weak and who are naturally weak or who were weak. And they have great sympathy and compassion for people who are uh, unfortunate or they are uh, uh, shrewd guys who know how to exploit people who are vulnerable, you know. So I feel that basically right and left is a confusion of a personality type. You t you look at uh, Modi's poems, you know, I'll tell you what, as a writer... Modi's what? Poems. He's he has written poems. poems. Yeah, he's written poems. I'll tell you why you poems. don't know about his poems. Hmm? Modi's poems are all about an animal which is very strong and it about how a honeybee is so great, or how the tiger is so great. He's actually writing about himself, right? Because everybody writes about himself. So you can see that this is a guy who feels very strong. He's a honeybee who does some wonderful thing. He's the tiger, he's the lion. So his poems are shit because <laughs> there is no moment of, uh, he doesn't get the fact that uh, a celebration of yourself is very boring. And what connects with people is a moment of danger for that honeybee, you know, who has to go back to its, you know, hive. It can be swatted. And then everybody, will, that empathy, which is again an overrated corrupting force, which we think is a virtue, it's like, <laughs> then you start, with, oh, even I'm going back home to my child, I am also a hero like the honey. The trick in literature is that it's always about you. You know, which is the most horrible thing. Like, I'm, you can sit and work very hard, but ultimately, if it is not about you, it's doomed, right? So that's why I feel strong people ha are not in literature. They're in business where they are excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and literature, all the weaklings. Madhu, you want to respond to any of those questions or points which that one? came up? Which one? Uh, well, you can take the one on um, uh, what would a right-wing government look like. You can take the one about uh, uh, yours was... Yeah, the balance, you know, the news laundry, the, the balance of our strong leaders overrated. I'll take the one about balance, no, I and I have one other. Actually, I don't agree that Manmohan was a strong leader. I don't agree with that. I, I think he was um, a man who really valued the kursi of the prime ministership. He just valued that kursi. And for that, I think he did as he was told. 
I think the corruption was a huge issue in the UPA. And he was, he knew about it. I wouldn't say, you cannot say he did not know about it. I know personally that he did know about it. And he was okay with it. So he was, I think, he went against his professed ideals. And I don't think he was a strong, uh, a weak leader at all. I mean, I don't think he was a strong leader at all, because if he was strong, he would have been able to put his foot down and say, and tell all the uh, allies that you're not... Yeah, horny. Huh, horny. And that was it. So I think, um, I don't, I can't, it sounds intellectually interesting, but I can't see how uh, there are no weak leaders, because there have been, and this guy survived because he had a strong leader propping him up. Okay, Manisha. On, I'll, I'll just respond balance. to the balance thing. Speaking to a lot of friends of mine who work online or who look at the analytics side of uh, news, it is true that if you're either right or left, you're just likely to get more hits. That's like the traditional wisdom, which is why probably there are websites who want to just ideologically align themselves because it, yeah, it the somehow... Data suggests yeah. that. But I think in news laundry, my experience has been different because there are a lot of people, I don't know if... I don't know if there are really those many people who actually want news that is aligned to... I tend to think, and, and we get to hear that a lot, I do tend to think there are a lot of people who don't want to be told what to think. They just want information. They just want to make up their own mind. They want, they want it to be interesting. That doesn't mean they just want a, like a 4W1H kind of a thing. But yeah, I, that, uh, but that is know, one of the reasons. The identification uh, uh, a reader does during a story, reading a story, like I was, I've been retweeting the Farmer's March coverage. And one guy answer, responds to one of the tweets saying, you can try all you, kitna bhi koshish kar lo. Now, listen, I'm a journalist. I'm observing. There's a Farmer's March. I'm not involved or personally have any um, stake on the farmers. Uh, it's just a, it's just coverage. But he takes it that because news laundry is covering it, that means we are aligned with the f with all the people who are against Modi because the farmers' march is turning out to be against Modi. Uh, it's it's that kind of categorization and slotting is is un uh, you know it's unreasonable and it doesn't really behoove well. For to get that kind of a response for, from for a journalistic site, I'll just take a couple of the questions. One is, you know, how we, like Manu said, uh, the model is not flawed. We human beings are flawed, and while I accept that uh, in true provocative Manu style, but then the model has to provide for that imperfection. One cannot make a model for a perfect being. I mean, we, if we're aware, we're imperfect. The only thing that I think is a good starting point, and that's what I think, and that is why I think, what, like Manu said, a lot of organizations, uh, while there is a certain level of democracy, they will be the shadow of their top management, you know, because they will, and that's inevitable. And we can keep having these discussions and debates. We sab kuch referendum hai, sab kuch referendum nahi ho sakta. Otherwise, it will be chaos. Uh, but um, you know, we just thought it would be interesting that there should be no predictability of what is going to come out of here. So it is very conscious, and you're right, sometimes you have to fight it because people think I'm aligned a certain way because I was, and I still am, and I, and I don't hide it. So there is an assumption that many people actually, when they have sent me emails saying, I support up, I'm like, why the fuck do you think I'm gonna hire you? I mean, that's a shitty reason to t tell me on the email. That's, that doesn't mean I'm gonna hire you. Uh, but there may be others who will. The whole idea of ours was that, if you again read our mission statement, I remember me and Madhu used to sit and discuss this, what is our take? A newspaper has our take or my take. So that means everybody in that newsroom believes that, that SEZs are good. Or, so, you know, we said we should have something that 
if she writes X, I should write Y. And we should kind of, I mean, it was an interesting exper experiment. It's not easy. And I agree it's not easy. And, but when I think the whole, because that's what we set out to create, that's what we're trying to create. Maybe someone will try to create differently. And as far as what will a right-wing government look like, <coughs> I think, um, you know, the world over, you see what is left, right, conservative, uh, liberal is, is changing. I mean, you, know, you can be socially one way, economic, that you understand. But I think there is general consensus that sunshine laws make any system work better. If there is transparency, the markets work better. Like the Indian media market is screwed beyond belief. It is non-transparent. It has zero, you know, uh, laws that can, I mean, rules that can be fixed quickly in the court of law. Um, and because of that reason and, you know, government advertising and, you know, where the funding, it doesn't work. Uh, Deutsche Welle, which is a German channel, actually is funded entirely by the, uh, by the parliament of uh, Germany, just like the BBC is. It's not perfect, but it, it kind of works a little better because it's transparency about what is going where. And no government, like Anand said, will allow laws of transparency. You see what RDI is in India. You have electoral bonds, we don't know who is giving money. So transparency, I think, a government... So right-left is, I think, more of 1900s thing. In 2000s, it is, are you creating a more transparent policy or less transparent? And depending on what you're creating, any system that you come up with will work better. Uh, is my limited view. Facebook se kya sawal the? The first question is from Sharad Hota. It's for Manu. He asks, uh, Manu, wouldn't liberals telling stories be anti-ethical to the core belief of rationality and logic? What type of stories do you expect liberals to tell? <laughs> wow. I don't know why it has become a complicated issue where I feel that if you are... Uh, uh, because I look at sanity as, uh, I don't know where to look. It's a Facebook question, yeah. so <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. uh, I, I, lo I do look at life as a contest between sanity and insanity. And the moment you say insanity, you want to giggle because it has uh, become an abuse. But I think it is a majority condition and I think it is fine. I think uh, uh, the uh, most of, the, I, f I do feel that influence, in fact, that is my area of, interest actually in society Influ what influences people is always insanity uh, a person with psychological anomalies is able to influence people because that is the force of personality and i feel that what writers should strive for is not to add to the insanity because that's always easy you know to go with the with the flow but i feel that it is more challenging and interesting and i'm not even being moralistic here you don't need uh, the hypothesis of morality to understand this, which is that uh, uh, we try to do, uh, achieve clarity. I think liberals or whatever you want to call them should try to uh, achieve clarity in their interpretation, in their reporting. Uh, and I feel that there can't be anything more ethical uh, and moralistic than that, you know. So uh, uh, to answer that very complicated question, you know, I would say that we just go for, uh, uh, writers should just go for clarity and not ideological position. I think that's very well said. Hmm. Yeah. Another question? Uh, the to second question is a great one. It's from Rituparna Sengupta. 
She says, uh, I just returned from the Kisan Mukti March. Apart from the several mostly independent media houses that had arrived to cover the event, there were also lots of students who had turned up with their smartphones to speak to the farmers directly and record their testimonies. Do you think it's time that consumers of news also become producers of news? Are we moving towards crowdfunding and the very production of news? Uh, and not just the economics of it. And she says, uh, I'm not speaking of individual blogs, blog posts here. All this is happening. No, I don't think uh, consumers should become producers of... I do think there's no, a certain... No, it's happening. You can't control it. No, I mean, of course, everyone's a blogger. But everyone that's writes stuff, But I do think news mm. has a certain method to it. I mean, it's not... No, we've I, had I that experience need a little bit of mm. where it didn't work when we asked citizens to uh, send us. Yeah. And uh, they, they actually, there was a problem because the basis of one being, uh, getting both sides, being impartial, getting the facts, and you know, all that which comes with basic training in journalism, we found that missing, so it became difficult. Um, so, yeah, we tried that. Uh, I mean, I personally don't think... Uh, you know what they call uh, what's the term? Citizen what generated generation. content? Not citizen, something generated content. What is it? User generated. User generated. US, US generated. UGC. You know, <laughs> like UGC. I've attended a lot of these seminars, so they they throw terms like that. And merely the UGC was UGC program. What is it? University Grants Commission. UGC Afternoon program. User generated content. I said, oh, acha. So news cannot be UGC in my view. Uh, there are certain filters that have been put in place. Uh, most importantly, because management get sued the asses off. So no. But I think on social media is a good place for it to start. Like Neda, the Iranian girl. You know, I mean, we've moved from social media causes revolution from the Arab Spring to bloody shut down Facebook and Google, GRPS, Jobia. Like within five years. When was Arab Spring? It's been like three years. Mm -hmm. So you see how fast they've gone more, from... More, more, more. Oh, six seven, years. Seven. So, it was you know, in 2011. So it's from 2011, 2018, you know, it's, social media has gone from hero to villain. So I think there are certain filters that are imperative and like Madhu said, comes with training and they're legal issues. So no, I, I don't think you can. Uh, you have a view on that? User-generated content for news? I have, a, uh, I have the second story theory in the sense that uh, uh, there are a lot of debut novelists who wrote good debut novels and then... Um, because they were actually memoir writers. They wrote their own story. Then they didn't have a second novel. Similarly, there's a lot of, in fact, users can generate uh, great content, you know, but it'll be that one story because either they know it, but the second story is what they can't because that is when the professional kicks in. You know, when uh, something is your livelihood, uh, you do it uh, very differently for various reasons. In fact, that was also the difference between Anna Azare and Arvind Kejriwal, or even Anna Azare and Manmohan Singh when he was around. Uh, Anna Azare, after his fast and then uh, orange juice, and then uh, it's time to end the fast, he says, I'm going back. I found that very funny, and I found it strange that nobody took objection to the fact that Anna Azare is now going back. Like, going back from where? What? You know, his revolution is over, but Manmohan Singh is not going back anywhere. But Manmohan Singh had to run uh, the organization. So that was the professional. Whatever flaws you can obviously see in a professional, a professional is going to be there because that's what you yeah. do. Very well put, yes. You know, so, the, so, uh, so I feel that there is, there is a place, I feel that what the user-generated content, as it's called, is showing journalism, but you have to be much smarter than that. In fact, what activists have also shown journalists 
is that you need to up the game you know yeah. like otherwise journalism will be taken over by people who can do some things better than you you know um so um you know we wanted to also discuss the whole um, foreign journalists how they cover indian stuff but i think we may run out of time we can take more questions so yeah we can take more questions because we also had that whole pakistan thing and i just quickly we should discuss the quickly uh, wanted to get everyone's views on that so there's this corridor and today amit shah said that there's such a holy place uh, you know uh, which is where gurudanak was born if i'm not wrong um and they let that go to pakistan and like everything goes back to nehru i just find that interesting uh, and honestly i think that's a bit uh, th- it shows a defensiveness of the bjp which which electorally we'll see how that turns out um and of course sherry went and uh, you know got a photograph clicked and the guy who he got the photograph clicked his rant is available that agar bharat hamari mata hai to pakistan hamara papa hai like what the fuck would a weird dude like what, like this guy fucking create khalistan of all people no but um so that has kind of gone through the roof um a does um this matter to any of you uh and i'd like to know what the panel thinks electorally does it matter you know let's start with you madhu and b should since we are on indo park does you know uh, uh, uh what is the guy name the pakistani hunk who did a film here and then fawad khan fawad khan so fawad khan uh, you know sh- should that kind of interaction happen or it's not possible when you're like pretty much at war all But the time but tarpur is where guranak dev died he wasn't born there right. dead tarvandi yeah. sir right madhu you want to start i have a kind of righteous view on this um because i feel that when first of all uh, i think all the uh, two track first track second track i don't think that's relevant at all because the real person who as we all know the people that they should be talking to is the army the pakistani army controls every pakistani government that comes in now how come the pakistani army allowed or suggested even to imran khan to do this to open up this uh gurdwara i think because they are under pressure from the united states trump has really put the screws on them and he they know the pakistani army knows that they have to show they have to deliver something and that's why they pushed uh imran khan and also the army chief was there so it has nothing to do with our politics run. or their domestic politics no it's got to do with america putting the screws really uh really hard on them cutting their uh, the money that they were giving them yeah. and saying that you have to show some results that you're fighting terrorism and i think the pakistani army who has huge businesses across pakistan also knows that to keep their businesses alive they also need money because they're expanding their businesses they bu- they have real estate they have all kinds of private businesses going on so i think this is i i uh, agree with the our, our government sushma swaraj and narendra modi that these things are just a waste of time why should we be puppets uh, to dance to pakistan's needs to reassure the united states and i don't think it stands and, and i don't cricket. think the i don't think the the uh, relationship between india and pakistan has ever improved because of these wonderful things i love listening to them uh, musicians and singers who come uh, i have no objection you know whatever to all these exchanges but don't expect anything to come of it should it happen or should it be stopped you know, is that I a pressure tactic yeah, is it pressure tactic i'll tell you i'll tell you that if somebody is misbehaving in a relationship and you just be continue to be nice to them superficially that person will never stop misbehaving you really have to put your foot down and say cut this so what is saying is bahar rakho ya matao yeah do let's Bharat talk real no yeah talk real 
cut out the my suggestion would be which nobody will listen to and it's probably a hebrew suggestion my suggestion would be stop talking to the politicians only talk to the pakistani army you're the guys who control them so talk to us mm. pakistani army talks to the indian government because the pakistan the indian army does not control our government our government controls the indian army so the indian army and talking Perhaps to the indian army talking days. to the pakistani army is a waste of time because our army does not take the decisions so the person who takes the the entity that takes the decisions is the pakistani army talk to our politicians then something would happen look manisha i watched the whole speech the imran khan speech and he's quite like i really want someone to oh, decipher I, i can't bear to listen to what's coming Mm. No, no, I'm not going to say he's good looking. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that. Madhu, you know, every time. Had I said that, it would be sexist. Yeah, how sexist of you, Madhu? Do you think Don't I'm going to expect? Just I because I no said, "Wow, Fawad Khan." You no. can categorize me. I'm too old to care. No, no, no. I was just saying that because when he talks, he's he has such fantastical plans for Pakistan. That we will take out the poverty line from the poverty line, and we will do this, we will do that, and we will do that. If so I keep thinking of his the book that was written on him by his ex-wife I can't stop imagining him you know with the she said that he would lie naked and cover himself dal. with lentils because ah, someone told him that will make him a politician not so, lie naked he was in the shower rubbing this bowl dal, yeah. so dal i just that him. doesn't uh, but yeah it, it'll be very, very yeah i'm very thoughts. curious no no mm -hmm. because it's so ridiculous you know mm. like this guy who's doing all this and then he's the prime minister mm. and then he has such like such grand plans for his country and when you and know what the army is see how he's like mm. But should there so, be this cultural exchange or? I'm all for cultural exchange when there's no war, like when there's no. But, but is this is an always on war? I mean, I mean it's not a war. There's skirmishes and all, but like yeah, if there's like a Kargil happening, no, I I don't think that would be the time to sort of say hey. No, I I have. If, if I can interject here, you know the the rules have changed completely with terrorism in our lives, and I think that very often, like I was on a talk uh, in a, a television program where Prashant Bhushan was quoting to me the Geneva Convention. the geneva convention was written when there was no terrorism hmm. so it cannot be applicable and there would be no guantanamo bay if there was if every country was following the geneva You're convention you're saying one shouldn't follow the geneva convention one can't how can you follow the, did we follow the geneva convention with uh, kasab we couldn't because today terrorism does not but he got a trial he got a trial so did yakub memon yakub memon had 20 years to prove that he was innocent so we on our own with our judicial system follow the law but to say that we have to um go beyond it and no, and ignore that uh, for example the sh show that i was on that uh, uh, what was the specific issue mani shankar ayer and prashant bhushan were saying that yakub memon memon should not be executed and i think that through judicial process whatever happened i do support okay, it so so that's a different matter so what you're saying is because geneva convention says you do not put a prisoner of war to death is different and terrorism is a prisoner of war but that's a civil matter i i think that's a bit complicated otherwise i think geneva convention is an absolute must guiding light for us to just be civilized otherwise you yeah, know but is nobody's following it what's happening in guantanamo no. bay so a lot of people are not following it doesn't mean we do away with it i think that is an ideal that we have to go because if you take it away then people will dhadalle se karenge right now They've there is still it a, away. no there is still a debate in the us about waterboarding today even today uh, what's his name dick cheney gets a lot of heat on it he's go, had to go underground for it i don't think you know just doing away with it you have to have that in place because a lot of people still do follow it i think if you took it away and said it's okay to torture i mean we, no but we, there have the to be new rules there have to be new rules taking new realities this was written in the okay. in no, 40s I, no on that i think it's uh, sorry uh, anyone wants to come in on on uh, any of these issues indo pak uh, is daily on the front page of the hindu i don't know why hmm. so, so, <laughs> so i that's their permanent beat anyway 
I think uh, uh, this track to diplomacy is nothing new. Uh, and uh, when this fancy term that Harvard academic Joseph Nye coined soft power. So soft power was being exercised even before Mr. Joseph uh, Nye existed. So just that we have got it to, into international relations theory. Now, uh, there are limitations of soft power for countries which are as hostile uh, as India and Pakistan. So a jihadist may enjoy your Bollywood movie, but still bomb your cities. So it's uh, if you are overestimating your soft power with Bollywood or something, you are a fool. Uh, so, but it is not that only governmental efforts uh, have uh, uh, put track to diplomacy on the track. Now, Pakistani patients come for treatment, and they are treated well, and they go back happy. And Indians are treated well in Pakistan. They, they, yeah. they tell um, stories about the hospitality. Now, people-to-people -people contact, people are the capital. So governments uh, have this so. I think Imran Khan. Uh, his political capital, the Oxford-educated politician, his political capital and his relevance in the deep state of army-controlled government is only this, that he will make those grandiose statements, those uh, the kind of speeches that Manisa was referring to, and that is his, that is the front. No, but would you, I mean, for example, you're a cricket buff, would you like to see the Pakistani cricket team here? Not this one, it's quite pesadi, but not that I know that much about cricket, but... Do you think because there's you know skirmishes happening, we should not play cricket with them? No, we should. We should yeah, we play. Should. Okay. That Manu? has nothing to do with it. But your view on this whole exchange? I was in Pakistan about 10 years ago for one and a half months. And I have very familiar <coughs> stories you may have heard when <coughs> I'd be in the taxi and when this guy knows I'm an Indian, he would uh, say, uh, no, I won't take money. I mean, it's a gesture from his part. He would always hope that, uh, thank God he didn't ask these yeah. things to particular least, communities in <laughs> India who say, okay, great, that's fine, you know. Or in those days where when I would call India and they would see 9-1 and uh, again, I would, I grew, grew so tired of their niceness that I was hoping for war. Dude, you know? how cynical so is he? Just shut up and just shut up and take my money, you know, <laughs> because I know nine one, and then I'm going to hear a lecture about how we are all brothers. Oh, and, uh, I was like, uh, you know, I almost started a war. I, I tried to then I started saying, look, I'm from the south, and you are not. <laughs> they're all same to me, you know. I kind of I I'm not going to talk about Kashmir because I mean, you want to talk about Sri Lanka? We you have know, Do you know where Sri Lanka? Is? <laughs> <laughs> so it became it's like, and all the North Indian journalists were enjoying their they they claimed to like the food which I hated, you know. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I kind of enjoyed their. Uh, I, it was a, and and what clearly struck me was that uh, the poor people of Pakistan who. Are, for most of Pakistan, especially then, because they forgot to make the middle class. Like we, uh, we, we, we are saved because of our land reforms and our middle class. Uh, they were great. I mean, in fact, it was very confusing. They, they, they did love uh, uh, me genuinely, uh, at least in Pakistan. And uh, <laughs> but you know, actually, I tell you, I had a very strange experience. I went to a Hindu temple in Karachi, okay? Now, at least then, I think now there's more awareness. As an Indian, you would think that, uh, you know, there's only Islam and there's nothing else is possible. 
This is a huge temple right in the heart of Karachi. Not just that, there's a guy in Patan suit who's a Hindu standing outside at the gate and he was stopping Muslims from entering. And a lot of Muslim girls wanted to enter because they were very interested to just because they had some prayer. They had to pray to, they something mattered to them so they were investing in many gods. Hmm. So they were wanting Diversified to, portfolio. Yes. <laughs> They don't know, I mean, like, we know that it doesn't work because one god is going to pass on to the others, you know, we knew that. But she, these girls want to enter the Hindu temple in the heart of Karachi. And there is this Hindu guy in a Patan suit who is refusing entry to them, <laughs> saying it's only for Hindus. Okay. And I'm standing there and I kind of tell him, I'm an Indian. <laughs> but I'm Christian. <laughs> now tell me. So that guy is like, now he's confused. <laughs> and uh, so I give him my passport. So the first time in Pakistan, after one month of Pakistan, first time I'm asked my religion and identity. It's outside the Hindu temple, which is, which is very familiar. <laughs> and he let me in because I'm Indian. So imagine if there was a mo uh, mosque in uh, India mm. and someone was allowed inside the mosque. Because uh, a, a Christian Pakistani was allowed inside the mosque because he was Pakistani, that would have a different connotation. Right, but anyway, to me, it was a. So I know that, see, that is why I say that right, the, one of the colossal failures of our age is of writers. Okay, they, they have a great responsibility of just telling uh, the truth, okay, or, or, or as I said, you know, try to. Tell stories in meaningful ways. These are the stories. Historians, I mean, why are you talking about politics and, uh, I mean, politics, of course, it's important, but then all the theories of between two nations. And but Jahangir this, and Nehru. Yeah. And but to me, to me, an incident <laughs> like this disproves many things that you can say about Pakistan. Yeah. And also the fact that, okay, we can uh, condemn their blasphemy law, but don't forget, nobody has been executed yet. You know, in all these years of blasphemy, blasphemy laws, and I think about 300, 400 people have been arrested. They have not executed anybody on the basis of this but, law I mean, too. So there is some a lot of similarities between, uh, you know, there is a... India and Pakistan. Can I just <laughs> yeah, interject my experience in uh, when I went to cover uh, Nawaz Sharif's first election in Pakistan, I was telling Manu about it. Very different from Manu's because uh, one of my father, my, not one of my father's, <laughs> My father's, um, uh, one of his friends from Lahore, because he also was uh, displaced during partition, his grandson was showing me around and he told me, cover your head and say you're from Karachi and you look like a Pakistani with your head covered from Karachi because you're dressed like that. So I said, okay. So I was going around taking interviews, shoving the mic into people's faces and asking them, aap India ke baare mein kya samajhte? And they thought I was Pakistani. And the truth came out, which was full of venom, full of hate and just say Indian I'm Pele Sampko and in the evening I'd go to these um, Karachi parties parties and uh, they're full of hospitality, full of love, full of this and that because I find their hospitality extremely chauvinistic because they're showing you that look at us, we're so hospitable. It's not because it's coming from their heart. Second point that I wanted to make was that um, when there is a uh, you know, face-to-face -face meeting, whether everybody is nice to each other. But I think that doesn't translate to political change. And Kashmir is so far removed from any kind of cultural or 
um, exchange that happens between people, that that really doesn't have any impact. Anand, you want to say something? No, I was uh, talking about similarities. Uh, so I remember Manu, in 2004, he went to Pakistan to cover Indian cricket team's tour, in which he wrote about Viren Sehwag's McDonald theory. Uh, so, uh, Zimbabwe. Mm. Mike, but Mike, in Mike. 2004, you, uh, he was covering it for Outlook. Mm. So one of the adolescent uh, curiosities across the border is same. So he was asked by a Pakistani adolescent that uh, do uh, women in Mumbai dance bars dance uh, in same clothes as we see and how <laughs> 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 so, clothes you dance and so the, so the amorous curiosities are same. I, I just had one little observation and I kind of shared this. I had gone to um, the Ruffy Peep Performing Arts Festival in Lahore in 2006 or seven or eight, I forget, one of those years. Uh, and um, it was, I've written a piece on this actually uh, because uh, that time they had the general, what's his name? Parvez Musharraf as, as oh. the president. And Zia, did someone say Zia? I'm not that old, bro. I said. Okay, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so, um, and, uh, but you know, I had a lot of, civilized conversations with a lot of people and you know some of them weren't uh, many of them weren't as full of love as Manu said and you know they were honest conversations and they were reasonable rational conversations but the one thing that I find all rationality and reasonableness goes out of the window is Kashmir no 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 when I say when they say India is not a secular country a Muslim cannot live safely in India and I say it is a secular country and of course I give the usual look at the Khans look at Muhammad Azaruddin um, even though I think cricket is a shit game uh, but still you know I'd give that example I'd give because I do believe and I'm very critical of the RSS I think they're bigots I think enough they're horrible but India is a secular country you cannot convince a Pakistani that and what I got from that was that the moment if you accept that it's a secular country then the reason of your existence goes if they acknowledge India is a secular nation that means Pakistan wasn't required mm. then so I actually asked a Pakistani media person and I, you know, I became friendly with him. I said, tell me, isn't this the psychology? Because if you say that, yes, India is secular, then you didn't need Pakistan. Mm. Then our very, and Qaeda-Azam cop, he did a blooper. Right. So he says, yes, you're right, I think so, but I could never say that publicly. Because if India is a secular country, why the fuck do we exist? We need not have existed. So, you, no matter how reasonable a Pakistani, for him to acknowledge India as secular would mean questioning his own identity and he won't have a home then. I was watching a theory. program by uh, Rajdeep Sardesai where he interviewed a whole bunch of students, college students in Islamabad and he was asking them various questions. One of the things that, out of all the things that struck me was that one of the students said that, you know, when we watch your television programs where you invite uh, Pakistanis over and scream at them and abuse them, and that's not how we feel. So why do you call these people to your television and the kind of hatred that is shown on television programs where you're abusing and screaming at Pakistanis? How does that help? It's that tyranny of distance, no? Whatever. Because <laughs> that's so, the answer to everything. So the thing is that I think the media... When we do these kind of things, when we do present uh, 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 kind of extreme situations from India and the pa Pakistanis that we invite on, that we know are extremists, I think we do ourselves a, a disservice. Sure, and I think it's become this self-perpetuating loop. You know what a feedback loop is, right? If I put the mic next to a speaker, then that the sound waves, science students would know that's a feedback loop. 
So last night I saw Rahul Shiv Shankar play this video of some loony Pakistani anchors saying ki this is what India and Modi should lose. He says, see, this is what they are saying and Sherry agrees with them. And therefore, whatever hate, Sherry hate, Pakistan, Modi ki jai ho. I was thinking that dude will now take this loop and play it on his channel saying, see, this is what Indians are yet. And then this dude can then take that. <laughs> you get, so it can become this feedback loop. That would be so cool. And, and we don't need... It's like Alexa talking to Siri. Yeah, it's like Alexa talking to Siri. <laughs> so let's get the last few questions on Facebook. And if anyone has any, it's a long time. I know many of you would want to get home. And uh, yeah. he's saying, well, let's, let's cut it. it. to the audi- audience. Um, any questions, Facebook, if you have any audience, you've come. Thank you all so much for coming, first of all. And we will give you uh, uh, recommendations before we go, like in Hafta we do. But let's take uh, five minutes of questions. Is that okay, Karthik? Five minutes? Okay. Quickly. So, anyone, before we take Facebook? Hi, Manu. A uh, question for you. So, you were talking about that there are fundamentally two different kinds of people. One which favors strength and value that. And then the other kind who value, you know, welfare and empathy and all of those. So, uh, I agree, probably. But the question is, uh, for a society, which kind of people is it more beneficial for us to have more of? He's being asked questions like he's Shri Shri or something, no? <laughs> like, what do you think? Tell us. <laughs> Such deep philosophical, like. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am you. You are me. Shri Manu Joseph. And, uh, yeah. Some bullshit like that, but you might see my. <laughs> and you see, I'm I'm dressed exactly the way to be differentiate, you know, to differentiate myself from you. But this long beard and all that, but I'm you. Anyway. <laughs> bullshit is kind of interesting, actually. I should, uh, I should give it a shot, you know. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, to. I feel uh, I I I just feel that it's ultimately in the conflict. <laughs> no, now now it sounds everything sounds like shri <laughs> shri. <laughs> uh, I, I just feel that if either side gets a better of it. You know there is a problem. In fact, they, but that's now uh, the you are not able to conduct conflict. In fact, journalism literature right, it is supposed to an art is supposed to uh, be that conflict. You know to uh, to uh, instead of taking sides to say that see there is that. Comment on the tension, right? Uh, that is what we have lost, I feel. Uh, uh, so uh, I, I'm on the side of the strong uh, because of various reasons. We don't have the time to go into that. I, uh, but I want the people who are on the side of the weak uh, to be of very high caliber. In fact, most of the pieces that, I, uh, uh, that I've written against this camp is actually to say that you have to uh, because when they when the guardians of the weak uh, are are weak themselves uh, it's very dangerous you know it's extremely dangerous uh, for people who are dependent on them you know and uh, uh, I, f- I feel that uh, in fact if I may repeat something which I mentioned in one of my books uh, 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 you know the social asshole, is uh, it, he emerges from a Darwinian process where the the most powerful asshole triumphs, and on the other side, if you're going to if you're going to fight evil, let's say if that's what is called evil, and if you're going to a, through a process which is not as rigorous as the other side, where your the best among then your champion is going to get thrashed. your champion is going to get trashed, and your champion often gets gets thrashed, you know, mm. and then you act surprised, right. Interesting. Okay, the lady here. Uh, before she says, I would just like to tell all those people watching online, it appears about 90% of subscribers are male. So, either we're doing something wrong, or credit card companies, you need to sell more credit no, cards it's to strange females. because even when you look at Twitter, I look at some, glance through my followers, 
Yeah, that's because... Why? Like, it uh, is. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, um, my... Uh, so, I was just thinking about, you know, the previous question about leadership and, and you know, a strong leadership underrated. I was just thinking about, you know, what the idea of what we think of as strong or weak, that's also, that's also linked to the prevailing narrative, right? So, you know, at some point in time, you can think of... Uh, somebody who's very quiet, reserved, but a good team player as a strong leader. But then another time, you know, uh, the whole definition of strong leadership changes and it's somebody who's in your face, who has 100% mandate and who's like, uh, you know... Uh, and it, this has to be done. Basically, somebody who gets things done is seen... I mean, gets things done in a very uh, visible way. Mm. Maybe there's a backlash after which it sort of flops. But uh, so that becomes a sense of, you know, a strong leader. Uh, mm. yeah. Interesting point. It's like demonetization was the nuclear deal. Like a weak leader got a deal that I thought was actually a stupid deal considering what was on the line. Needed Amar Singh to get it through. And that was Manmohan Singh's great compromise at the time. And a particular channel didn't air the tapes that were sting tapes that, that could have shown that leader in very bad light because for all is Mr. Clean and uh, IBN, uh, senior and IBN. Uh, um, and um, uh, kya hain? and demonetization such a shitty thing that we said it, it's a plan. But yeah, strength is, is how you define it, determine strength. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, hello, Abhinandan. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, subscription model and advertisement money. So what if an advertiser like Google AdSense or uh, YouTube, you don't take uh, ads on YouTube, but if uh, YouTube offers uh, ad money to you, in exchange of, they don't... There's no control, you get yeah, it. So, so it's not like a deal. It, yeah. They don't want to so ch uh, change your uh, news or anything. So uh, as a news audience is uh, inclined to, is protagonist in subscription model, they don't talk. But should other news channels, they should take uh, such kind of money. Be, uh, they should get their resources or uh, other things from YouTube money or any advertiser that is not uh, a direct deal. Uh, so I can't I get. So yeah. I, I think the point you're making is for our audience online that a YouTube or Google AdSense, there's no negotiation happening, so they can't control your news. <coughs> I agree with you. A the um, you know CPI rates are rock bottom, but for an existing brand that may be possible. For, but for a brand that is trying to emerge as an ad-free model because we need you to survive, the optics are very important. So you're right. If we activate AdSense, you know, we'll have ads and no one's going and selling ads. But to a viewer, this is an advertising, this, this website has ads. So I will not be able to guilt you into it. Like every hafta, I haven't done that this time because all of you are subscribers. But I always say, Mufat khoro, kanjuso, sadhuwe kadduo, sale subscribe karo. You know, long ago, I don't know whether you did the Chaddi Chronicles Hafta, where I, you know, went to buy an underwear, and it was for 300 bucks. I had not done it in a very, very long time. I was like, are you serious? And then the ladies told me, <laughs> you have no idea what women are doing. just like, why have you not bought an underwear? I was like, because, because, because <laughs> mummy buys for me. But the point is uh, that I, I said, I'm trying to guilt people into subscribing. But if you have ads playing, you can't guilt people into subscribing. The optics is important. But you're right. Structurally, it doesn't make a difference. And maybe at some point, if it didn't matter, we could activate it. But I don't think it's wise for us to do it right now. Uh, any others? Because we've got to wind up in five minutes. Yes, the gentleman there. Hi, my name is Sukarn. I work at a non-profit called SFLC.in in my volunteering time. So over there, we defend digital rights and digital freedoms. My question here is, 
do you think uh, fact checkers are actually effective and if you do think they're effective how effective do you think they are when they come in and they try to debunk a fake news or misinformation story and they try to put forward the real facts how much effect do you think this has in reality okay anyone wants to take that and after that we'll just get recommendations and wind up unless there's something very interesting on facebook but yeah let's let that be the last one well there is an mit study that says false news travels faster than truth i mean you can never uh, falsity can never uh, i mean it'll always champion over truth it'll fake news is just bound to sort of have a bigger reach so krishan was wrong you, bapu was wrong and this research is right harvard it, is right but uh, no culture this girl has i want to add one thing to it's a bit tangential i mean fact checking obviously works because it's one more layer of uh, but i feel that uh, uh, now what the american liberal media has extrapolated you know with uh, so called fake news being responsible for trump's uh, victory to me is uh, disgraceful because they are they are so reputed and their gold standard in journalism and the way i see it is that the american liberal media has been very embarrassed because they did not anticipate trump at any level even before the primaries they were always dissing him yeah. so trump exposed the shallowness of and 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 the elite uh, and the elite quality of the most influential american influencers you know that they were they were the influencers before you know things changed um and i feel that there is a lot of uh, structured venom which is going facebook's way and into a certain analysis uh that uh, f- that uh, fake news created trump which is a horrible analysis because i feel the reverse is true it is not um, uh, fake news that makes a politician successful a politician makes a fake news successful if fake news had this kind of power i know it's, sorry it's my very common analogy if you spend 100 million dollars i challenge you to make boiled beetroot the staple diet of world's population no you can spend 100 million dollars saying that boiled beetroot is excellent to eat but you will get nowhere you know there is something about people that they want to believe and they see a certain fake news that pope endorses trump they want to just believe that and let's not forget among the stories that the russians planted in facebook there were equal number of stories which were against trump and there were pro hillary stories also they planted you know but they didn't move yeah because yeah. you know fact, it just didn't only this move there was an npr podcast which had recommended around that this guy who was actually a liberal running a fake news site that was for the he said because the other ones didn't run you're, you're right so i want to tell your viewers don't trust the mainstream uh, media's analysis uh, that uh, uh, fake news is creating uh things which wouldn't have cre- been created if fake news didn't exist i think fake news is a reflection okay right. uh, one uh, two things uh, manu has said uh, the uh, the fact checkers i uh, think that many fact uh, fake news bursting sites now the fact checkers their rigor is also very questionable because uh, i find particularly to history that uh, many claims made as this is there was the real news this was the fake news the now the real news was again a fake news so uh, again a fake news and this is i am telling a, a cause ideological spectrum uh, to very celebrated fake news website the real news was again fake news because they just plucked two facts and uh, produced it as a truth 
Now, a collection of facts is not truth. You missed something which would have given the real historical fact. Now, that is also uh, at the layer of fact-checking, there should be another kind of uh, rigor to fact-check the fact-checkers. Yes, feedback loop is gone. Yeah. So, uh, everyone, can you just come up with your recommendations? I'll do mine first and then quickly for everybody. My recommendation is, you know, that, that first CRISPR baby that Chinese scientists claimed to have created. So, uh, I had recommended a CRISPR podcast long ago. It was a Radio Lab podcast. Once this happened, I read this piece um, in Nature by Shambhavi Nayak. I believe she's from Takshila Institution, uh, where she says that, you know, India shouldn't join the world moral condemnation of this, uh, you know, like they have for other things. There's an inevitability to it inevitability to it. So we should see how we can create a regulatory framework that we can kind of work with this gene editing technology. Uh, and a podcast by Open Source by Christopher Lydon, The CRISPR Conundrum. I think it kind of, I don't have a position of this on this yet, but I think pieces like this, which are just arguing it, but one very interesting thing that Christopher Lydon says to the philosopher, he's got a philosopher, I like his podcast because he gets a philosopher to talk about these issues at a macro level. And he says, now, suppose a gene-edited baby, like this, they use this technology to kind of combine a human being with another creature. And if someone shot that, would that be murder? So she says only an American can come up with this theory because I don't see it happening. So I recommend these two. Uh, let's start with Manisha and then we'll move this way. Uh, um, an NYT piece, uh, he says he got away with 19 murders. Now he's confessing to all of them. It's really disturbing story of a 70-year-old guy who's about to die, he's in the hospital and he's confessed to about 90 murders that he, 90, 90 murders he committed. Uh, and it's crazy. And it's really funny because, and uh, the detectives, so they haven't been able to interview the guy, but they're interviewing the detective and they're looking at the court hearings and all. So the detective says that, you know, uh, you don't really come across pure evil in your life, really, even in this business. But when I looked into his eyes, I just saw pure evil. And, and there's this crazy line, so the, I don't know if I want to give the end of the thing, but I'll give it. It's not like a mystery, whatever. But <laughs> so towards the end, this guy says that uh, someone tells him that, you know, aren't you scared of God or whatever? And he just says, God made me like this. I have nothing to be scared of. Mm. He, he made me the way I am. So why should I be scared of him? And it's really hmm. crazy. Madhu? I've just been watching documentaries on uh, Netflix and on iTunes. Uh, Clinton is a good one. It's well made. Okay. It shows the political side of... Which the, one is it about? The it's about Lewinsky, but it's okay. really more more political than just about the affair with Monica Lewinsky. It's got to do with Democrats and all that. So that's quite a, a well-done documentary. And two, three others which I've been watching, I can't remember. Okay. Manu? I'm reading a fascinating book called The Richest Man Who Ever Lived. Uh, it is about a guy called Jacob Grubber, who's a 17th century figure. Uh, who at his uh, during his time he was worth more than two three or two to three percent of Europe's uh, GDP gesture. So he was that rich. So according to some people, he was probably the richest to ever lived. And what I find interesting is how kings and emperors used to borrow. We have a certain perception that they were all powerful. But the rich guys could actually ask them to get lost. Actually, some of them they uh, they didn't lend to emperors and how. Uh, how this, so I find that very interesting. And another book I'm reading is uh, The First uh, 5,000 Years of Debt. I find that uh, subject very, very interesting, actually. So a lot of um, 
ideas that we have of uh, the world are completely uh, replaced with new ideas. What I just want to ask you: What is your non-fiction book about? What are you going to be exploring? Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, one thing Madras taught me is that if something is important to you, then you're secretive you about it. Never done. Or if you're, if you're secretive about it, then something. No, but but because it's almost over, it is uh, got something to do debt. So what's oh. what, what was the second what was the second book Farmers you recommended? Super. First five thousand years of uh, debt. 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 D e b t. Okay. Debit. Mm. Mm. Anand. One book I have already referred to that uh, I think uh, it's one of the best collections on uh, many would not like it, academic essays on caste in Indian politics. It, it was uh, edited by Rajni Kothari, the founder of CSDS. It's available on, uh, it's an old book, um, but they have brought a new edition of it on Orient Black Swan. Uh, the second is uh, since money has been talked about, so I am recommending <laughs> a Hindi poem. Uh, it is uh, written by uh, Chetan Kranti. He is not revolutionary in any way, so so don't be terrified. And also, I am not reciting it, so less reason to be afraid of. <laughs> so uh, it's called. Uh, पैसे पर लिखे जाने वाली एक महत्वाकांक्षी कविता के लिए लिए गए नोट्स मींस अ फ्यूचर पोएम ऑन मनी इज गोइंग टू बी रिटन ही इज कलेक्टिंग नोट्स ऑन इट एन एम्बिशियस पोएम मेटा सो सो व्हाट इट कॉल सो इट्स अ लॉन्ग पोएम इट्स नॉट सेटायरिकल एज द टाइटल मे सजेस्ट सो he finds that uh, all of the ideas that we have discussed are contested ideas as ideas are but he says that the universal language that we all need to have adopted to speak in is money so money so if you are not sure about who is uh, a good uh, say doctor lawyer or or say a writer you the what is the objective measure who is more making more money who has more patients uh, uh, lined up uh, uh, against his clinic and you go to him so uh, who is making more money so the universal language of money so uh, it, it is just that and he says that uh, that uh, to not make money is a kind of you say it is uh, mainly for people who don't make money like me because uh, this poem may fascinate only those so he says that ye koi viswasghat jaisi cheez hai jaise ki aap james watt hain aur rail ki engine nahi bana rahe hain so um well but when when um, manu said that it's about the richest man who ever lived i was still like picturing him as the shri shri and i thought it's like something sudama or someone and then he said no actually the richest man who ever lived i was like okay but but uh so uh, you know i have the wind up written down i, I usually just just like talk crap usually when i do hafta but i thought i shouldn't mess up the 200th so i have to thank everybody so um thank you first of all for all of you coming here and making the effort uh, we going to have like at least one subscriber event a month in 2019 and in different cities so those of you who actually tweeted to me saying like why is it in delhi this time we'll be traveling across the country we'll have one subscriber in every city so thank you all for coming and uh, for your support and your subscription and encouraging words news lorry has been a struggle from the word go and it still is i'd like to acknowledge the team who works tirelessly to try to make this news operation sustainable and successful uh, thank you all there's kartik there uh, uh, you know there's tikda ayush chitranshu um 
we are a very small team and we work very hard. Thank you, Anand, Manisha, Madhu. Uh, Manu, I'll come to you also. Don't worry. Thank you, Manu, with your time, for being so generous with your time. And uh, I don't always agree with Madhu's points of, uh, Manu's points of view, but I think what I find really wonderful about him, and just why in one sense, like, I think News Laundry is a good fit, is that he's provocative uh, and is not, I mean, he doesn't want to belong to any one team. No team can claim him. I think that is uh, both endearing and brave. And thank you for being like that. Uh, appreciate it. Um, by the way, have they forgiven you for the radio tape story you broke? Has the ecosystem forgiven you? Eco which ecosystem is no longer <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, so yeah, and, and uh, also thank you critics who, you know, tweet to us and write to us. We have so many emails who tell us what's wrong, how to fix it, and you're pretty uninhibited with your uh, criticism, and that's good. And we appreciate that, so keep those mails coming in. Thank you haters who say, Abhi gandu hai on Twitter, because without you, it wouldn't be half as much fun as you make it. Uh, and uh, hopefully, News Laundry will continue to grow. As long as you keep subscribing, Mufat Khors, this goes out to you. Stop being such bloody conjuices. If you can spend 300 on a pack of cigarettes or on a beer, pay for news. It may save your life one day. On that note, thank you all. Until next week, Angrez apna lagan or news leader apna hafta kabhi nahi chodenge. Pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. See you next week. Thank you all. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you, social, uh, anti-social, the place. They, they gave it to us for free. Thank you. <laughs> For, for giving us this place and your hospitality. And uh, I don't know, yeah, I guess everyone wants to support independent news. So thank you, Antisocial. Appreciate it. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.